man, I love that last song, that singing the name of Jesus and hearing us as a, as a church just lift that up. And uh, we, we believe that, that one day every knee will bow and uh, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and uh, that it's all, it's all for God's glory. It's all to, to point uh, attention, attention to him. Um, so someone asked me about this, this uh, you know, the design that's on your cards and, and what you see up here, and they said, allegiance, are we talking about, are we really going to talk about? And when we designed this, we, we kind of forgot about the, the fact that it's election season. This is about the Cubs today. We're going to talk about <laughs> our allegiance to flying the W. <laughs> when I was a kid... Um, I was, my dad was a pastor, and, and so I grew up around the church, and uh, I, I was told there's just two things, <laughs> sorry about that, um, there's just two things you don't talk about in church or at Thanksgiving dinner, and those two things are politics and elections, as if they're separate, <laughs> and, um, and, and I love talking about things I'm not supposed to talk about, so um, here we go, right? How, how many of you remember the first uh, election that you voted in. Does anybody remember the first election you voted in? Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, just, just to see kind of where we are, how many of you have watched just a portion of um, any of, of, of the political debates? Anybody watch a portion of any of them? Wow, yeah. Um, how many of you have watched every bit of every debate? Anybody? You're proud. Look at that. Your hand is like all the way up. Yes. Um, no Lee Greenwood today. Sorry about that. Um, uh, that we're going to sing. Um, yeah, uh, we like to engage in, in conversations, and uh, we, we are living in a very interesting time. Would you agree we're living in an interesting time and an interesting moment? And um, I, I'm, I'm fairly young. I'm going to keep saying that until like I'm, I don't know, 70 or 80, and, and then maybe I'll, I'll say I'm not young anymore or, or that I'm, I'm maturing. But I can't remember... Um, a political season that was as divisive, and I, and I don't mean like in terms of, of the nation, I mean in terms of Christians, that was as divisive as what we're walking through right now. And I could be wrong about that, so that's, that's just my perspective. Um, I just cannot remember a moment in the church uh, where, where things seem to be divided as they are right now. Now, this morning, um, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, probably offend everybody in the room. So I'm an equal opportunity offender today, all right? I'm going to offend everybody. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just for a little bit to, to, to let's think and let's focus. And I'm going to spend a lot of time in, in God's Word in trying to understand some perspective for us as followers of Jesus. So I want to be very clear up front that I'm talking to followers of Jesus today. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're someone who says, I, I'm here because I like the environment, it's a positive place, I like to be here, I, I love God, I just don't know what to do with the whole Jesus thing, I am so glad that you're here. And I think today will bring some value to you. I think you'll hear something today in Scripture that maybe you haven't seen at times um, displayed by followers of Jesus, but I, I want to just be very clear that I'm speaking to followers of Jesus. So I'm going to say some things that offend, and I'm going to say uh, Jesus offended some people. Um, I, I'm going to say some things that make us uncomfortable. I'm going to say some things that make me uncomfortable, so I'm with you in, in this. But I want to do it because I think as followers of Jesus, we have to stay true to God's Word. 
and what we find there in Scripture. And here's the big, I'm going to start with the big point. So if you want to check out after this, I guess that's up to you. But kind of the big point for those of us who are followers of Jesus is this. I believe that based on Scripture, we must yield our political preferences to our faith. I believe as followers of Jesus that it's vitally important that we yield our political preferences to our faith in Jesus. In other words, our faith in Jesus has first place in our lives and that everything else comes beneath that. That that the Jesus filter is at the top. It's the most important filter that we have. Our our faith is, is, is primary to who we are and everything else falls below that, including our political perspectives, opinions, thoughts, beliefs, the things that we, 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 we hold to in life. Now, I, I, I do believe that, that Jesus um, was extremely political. But the way that Jesus was political was very different than we tend to be political in our day and age. And, and I want to get into that. Now, what I'm not saying, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have an opinion because I think as followers of Jesus, we should have an opinion. I believe God has given us a mind, and we should use our mind to think and listen and understand other perspectives and, and in our minds have strategies and thoughts of how things come together. I believe that we should all have an opinion, and I believe that we should en- engage in political conversations from time to time. I, I believe that we should do that, but I, I, I don't think we should ever do that at the expense of our witness of who we stand for, and that is Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ, that 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 is our primary, primary allegiance is to Christ. Now, I've walked through the scriptures, especially um, uh, the stories of Jesus, and, and he's extremely political. Now, he only talks about politics a couple of times. Now, some of you will remember this. Uh, some had come to trap him, and they asked. They, they held up a coin, and, and they asked, should we pay taxes to Caesar? You guys remember this story? Some of you remember this? Um, and they were trying to trap Jesus, and Jesus just held it up and said, well, whose picture's on it? And they said, Caesar's. And, and Jesus makes this comment. He says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God. Don't, don't neglect giving to God what is God's. And in, in, in some people's view, what Jesus was saying there was that that we should give some things. There are some things that we should give to political discussions and to our governments, um, but we should never do that in neglecting what, what God deserves. And what Jesus came back to again and again and again is that God should have our hearts, that, that the political process should not have our hearts like God has our hearts. So he said that, and then there was a moment at the end of his life when, uh, right when he was about to die, and um, he's challenged by a political leader. And you know what he says to him? He makes this comment. He said, you wouldn't have the power that you have unless my Father in heaven had given it to you. So he makes this very interesting, this, in this context of about, he's about to be put to death, he makes this, this comment that, that the political power of his day in Rome was, was actually given to the people who held it by God the Father, that God was in some way giving that power to those people. Now, near the end of his life, Jesus had gathered his disciples, and he makes this comment to, to his disciples. He, he says to them that the world will actually know that they're his followers by their 
love for one another. Some of you remember this, right? His, their, their, their love. And, and he talks about unity among those who follow him in, in a way that says, your unity will say something to this world that nothing else you do, nothing else that you say will, will communicate to this world about God and about Jesus. That, that it's our love and it's the way that we as followers of Jesus are unified together, even in our diversity. Now, some of us would say, some of us would point and say, well, Jesus, that was a different context and we live in a different world today, which I understand that, but understand who was sitting with Jesus when he said this. Um, Simon the Zealot was sitting here, and Simon, as a zealot, believed that government should have, the government of Rome specifically, should have no power in the lives of people. And zealots were often known to actually draw the sword to fight against the powers that be. So you had one who was on the side of those who would rise up against this government, this big government, should not have this big say in the lives of the people. And on the other side of the conversation, you had Matthew the tax collector, who made his money by taking money from the people. So he believed that the government should have a say in the lives of the people because it's how he made his money. And there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that Matthew disengaged from his life as a tax collector. So... Among the 12 disciples, you had very different political ideologies. And yet Jesus said, it's, it's the way that we treat ourselves. It's, it's the way that we love each other that will become a, a, a profound witness to the world about who God is. I think humility in our conversations is the key. I think humility, um, the humility of Jesus should mark us as his followers more than anything else. Um, and, and I think, and, and if you want to write something else down, if there's something that maybe that jumps out at you, I think people should always come first and our politics should come second. I think people should always come first in our politics. Now, now, some would say, now, um, I agree with that, and it's very clear by my politics that people come first, right? So there's some of that thought, right? That, and here's the deal. Listen, I, I, I've, I've listened and I've read on both sides of the aisle, and if we want to pick and choose things that Jesus says to support our political views, we can find it. We can find anything in the sayings of Jesus and, and have them in some ways support what we believe. And when, I, when, when we talk about gathering together as a church, um, that we want to reframe our world around Jesus, not the, the other way, that we don't want to reframe Jesus around the world, we, we have to let Scripture and Jesus talk. And we, we, we must let it say what it wants to say, not what we want it to say. And so it's easy to take things out of Scripture and, and, and support our views. Okay, so let, you, you ready to get into the Scriptures? There's, there's a couple primary passages of Scripture in the New Testament. One's written, 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 um, is that a word? Written? Written. Southern, that's kind of a Southern Midwest mixed word right there. Um, one of them was written by Peter, and one was written by Paul. And uh, Peter and, and Paul um, and Mary and... Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Peter and Paul had some um, uh, differences in their views at times, but um, both of them, I think, are saying a, a similar thing. 
And I want to let, I'll make a few comments, but I want to let Scripture stand for itself, and I think it says some really important things to us in the time and the context in which we're living right now. Are we ready? So First Peter, and this is a letter that Peter is writing to help followers of Jesus know how to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't follow Jesus. In a world that is, um, for Peter, was increasingly hostile to Christians. That, that's who, who, who Peter's writing to. And, and some of us would, might would say um, that, that this world is getting increasingly hostile to those of us who follow Jesus. Some of us might, might say that that's true. Um, in the first century, the, the growing hostility and, and, and persecution was Nero, who, who is one of the most evil persons that you could ever study in history. He took Christians and, and put them on stakes alive and burned them as a display to the rest of the world. And so um, I don't think we understand the, the kind of persecution in our country that, that the first century Christians understood and second century Christians, but we do understand some level of that. It's all relative in the world in which we live. But Peter is speaking to this in that context, growing hostility to the church. And this is what Peter says. He says, you are a chosen people. And he's talking specifically to followers of Jesus. You are a chosen people. Don't forget this. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. Now, sometimes we, we lose the meaning of these word, words, and, and we, we, we don't fully understand what they mean. This word, holy, when he says you're a holy nation, he, he wants us to understand uh, the, the, the idea of a nation, which we understand based on really political boundaries and ethnicities more than we understand it in any other way. But when he says holy, what he means is that you are a people following Jesus who are holy, which means set apart. Uh, the, the literal translation of this word is uncommon. You are a people. <laughs> he might say, you're a peculiar people. You're an uncommon people. You are a people who, who don't engage the same ways that common people engage. You, you do things differently. You're, you're a holy people, a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. And as a result, you can, by living differently, in other words, by being set apart, by being uncommon, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his light. Now in the Bible, there's symbolic words, and darkness and light are very symbolic. Darkness represents evil, and light represents goodness. And when he says God has called you out of darkness, he's saying he's called you out of the common ways of living. You are to be a people who live differently in this world. And the purpose of that is so that you could be on display the goodness of God. Um, there are times when I, I listen to myself speak and I listen to those around me who, who profess Christ with our mouths, and I hear us speak in the political dialogue, and I think to myself, we are so far from displaying the goodness of God in the ways that we're talking. Would you agree with that? And Peter says, you, you, you are to do things differently, and in doing things differently, you are displaying to the world God's goodness. 
his love and his grace. For he called you out of darkness into his light. And then he says, once you had no identity as a people, and now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Now, I, I think Peter and Paul, with, with God inspiring them to write these words, I think there's reasons they chose phrases and set them apart. And this, this phrase, temporary residents and foreigners, I think Paul or Peter in this, in this passage wants us to remember that the world in which we live is only temporary. And we should have opinions and we should engage in dialogue and we should work for the things that we think will bring the most good to the people around us. But make no mistake, this is only temporary. Wasn't there a theologian named Carrie Underwood who said something about our temporary home? <laughs> this is temporary. We're, we're temporary residents on this earth. And I've never known anyone laying in the hospital breathing their last words. I've never known anyone to say, can you just read the Bill of Rights to me one more time? <laughs> I just want to hear the Constitution spoken. No, we don't hear that. We, people want to hear the promises of God because we know, all of us intuitively know, whatever you think about Jesus, all of us intuitive, intuitively know that this cannot be all that is. And Peter wants us to understand this. And the way that we, we, we do politics in this world and talk about politics, never forget that we're temporary. We're, we're only temporary residents in this place. And he says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, those who, who, who don't believe in Jesus, those who, who really don't have this God perspective that you have. He says, be very careful how you live among them, that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior Listen to this. Even if they disagree with you politically, even if they disagree with you theologically, they will see something in the way that you live. They will see some sort of honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. That <laughs> Peter is saying that, that God wants to use you to bring someone else to a God perspective that they might not already have. Now, that's a weighty... That, that, that's... That's a weighty responsibility, isn't it? That God wants to use you and me to maybe change the perspective of someone who lives next door or who's in our office or school. So he says, be careful how you live, that they might see the way that you live, and, and, and maybe it will change their perspective to see God. And then he says this, for the Lord's sake. Respect all human authority, whether king is the head of state or officials appointed. Now, before you throw something at me, I did not write this. <laughs> I didn't. This was communicated, I believe, under, under God's inspiration to those of us who want to follow Jesus and we don't know how. And Peter writes, 
not because they deserve it. Look, look at, he doesn't say this. Be, because they all deserve it, respect human authority. He doesn't say that, does he? He, he says, it's for the Lord's sake that there's something in, in the way that we treat other people, not just kings, not just presidents and the heads of state and people that are appointed. There's something in the way that we treat people that honors God. And he says, so respect them. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those unknowing people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you as God's slaves uh, shouldn't use your freedom to do evil. So you're free, but, but don't just do whatever you want. Like, place your allegiance with God and live in a way that would, would honor him. And then he finishes this, this section by saying this, respect everyone, respect everyone, e everyone. And I know some of you right now are like, everyone? <laughs> like, could the translation, could we, could, we, could we have messed up here and it means respect most people? No, 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 respect everyone, 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 not everyone. You didn't watch the news that I watched, Matt. You, not everyone. No, everyone. Respect everyone. Be because everyone, regardless of how they're living right now, everyone bears the image of God deep down within them. And, and, and the way that we treat people is an extension of how we view God. So he says, respect everyone. And love your Christian brothers and sisters. Now that lets us off the hook a little bit, right? Like, well, I don't have to love everyone. I just have to respect everyone. <laughs> respect everyone. Love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God. Reserve your fear, not for the people who are in power. I think this is important for us as well. Don't reserve your, your fear for people who are in power. Reserve your fear for God. That's, that's for God. And respect the king. And again, we might say, but, but Peter didn't know who our king could be. Whatever side you're on, he didn't know who our king could be. He, he had Nero in this day and age. And he said, respect him. Paul in Romans chapter 12 and 13, and we'll look at this scripture and then um, make a couple comments and we'll be done. Paul says this, and I would encourage you to read these passages this week. I think they're, they're in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and then Romans chapter 12 and 13 both. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. <laughs> sometimes um, I think, sometimes I read scripture and I'm like, give me something practical to do. You know what I mean? Like, I need something to do. Like, Sometimes I read it and it seems like heady and theological, but I want something to do. Well, here it is. Bless those who persecute you. And don't curse them. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all that you can to live in peace with, there's that word again, everyone. <laughs> everyone? Everyone. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. And listen, our world right now is a world of revenge. It's just back and forth, the vitriol, the hatred that is spilled out again and again. He says, don't, don't seek revenge. He, he actually says later in the, in the, in the letter to, to leave that to God. Just, just let God deal with that. Trust that God will deal with that. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. 
Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, give respect and honor to those who are in authority. So just a few like bullets and then a last thought. As followers of Jesus, I want to remind us of some things that should set in our minds as we walk through the next few weeks. As followers of Jesus, we are a community set apart, and that word set apart means uncommon. We are to be an uncommon people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a part of the kingdom of God, and this kingdom doesn't just do things the way the world does them. We are, set, we are to be set apart. We're to be different. There's something to be different about us. Um, second thought, we are temporary residents. We should always remember. We should work for the good in, in the ways that we understand that that good can impact the most people. We should work for that, but, but always remember that this is not your eternal home. We are tempor- temporary residents in this place. And the third thing, we are God's goodness on display. We are God's goodness on display. And the way that we engage in conversations, regardless of our disagreements, that the ways that we talk should be ways that display the goodness of God above all else. So what are the things that we should do? I think as followers of Jesus, these passages make it very clear that we should be very careful how we live and what we say. We should be very careful how we live and what we say as followers of Jesus. Uh, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the, in the book of James um, and that, that idea that we have two ears and one mouth and he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and even slower to get angry. I, I think that's a great passage for us in this context as well, that we should be very careful how we live and what we say, that we should respect everyone, everyone, everyone. We should be respectful of everyone. And if you find yourself in a situation, and I have a hard time with this too. Listen, I've I've got opinions about everything. Just ask my wife and kids. I have an opinion about everything. Uh, If if you're lacking of opinions, come ask me. I'll give you mine. I have an opinion about everything. And there are moments that within me, I think, "Does, does this person even have a brain? I think that sometimes in my head. Not about you guys. You guys are different. You're set apart. But other people out there, I think that. Do, do, like, and I have to remind myself. And in those moments when, you, when you're talking to somebody or you're listening to somebody or you're reading Facebook, which you shouldn't do the next couple weeks, it's just going to be crazy, um, in, the, in the moment, to tell yourself, I may not understand this person's perspective, but this person is at some level an image bearer of God. And sometimes that can change the way that we communicate with them. We should respect everyone. We should pray for our leaders. Now, again, I know that we are very divided as a nation and as a a people, even within the church, on who we think the different options should be and all that. Regardless, can we commit to praying for those people, whoever they are, that end up in leadership? Can we commit to that as, as a different kind of people? that we would pray for them, that even if they don't hold the policies that we think are most important, that we would say, God, we, we pray that you would bring, bring them blessing and a perspective of you that, that, that changes and transforms their life, whoever that is. And then the last thing, we would live a life marked by love and compassion and good deeds. We, this building is not, 
We are a part of a global movement, a kingdom of God. And Jesus said this kingdom is not of this world. And this kingdom should not be intertwined with the kingdoms of this world. That we are set apart. We are a holy nation. And we are to display God in the way that we interact with everyone on every circumstance. May our faith be first in our lives. May it be at the forefront of everything. And may our political leanings and perspectives and beliefs, may they fall somewhere down the line. May we respect everyone at all times, even in disagreement. And may we pray that God would bless even those that we would call our enemies. We're going to sing one last song, and it's called Cornerstone. And I, I, I love this um, as, a, as a kind of a wrap-up to today because it declares that Jesus is our cornerstone, that he's at the center of all. So as we declare this, um, maybe you want to write out a prayer and put it up on the cross. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a prayer about your attitude. Maybe it's a prayer for the leaders and the political process that is to come. Um, you have freedom in this, in this moment to write out a prayer and just put it on the cross as your way of giving that over. Maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you or with someone that you love because you just feel disconnected. Maybe you just want to stand and declare this truth that Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. And it's his rightful place to be first in all things. In some ways, this is, this is um, us giving our allegiance to Jesus, first and foremost, above all else. So that's, that's how we're going to end our time together today. Would you stand with me? I'll say a prayer, and then we'll sing, and you can feel freedom to move around the room if you want. God, you are a good God, and um, we love you. And many of us have different perspectives and opinions and thoughts, and we're in a moment in our world where, um, and in our country specifically, God, where it just feels... Um, feel so divided. God, I, I pray that your spirit would, would change us first as your followers, that you would transform us, that you would remind us that we are only temporary residents here. You would give us a, a bigger perspective. God, I pray that you would teach us how to honor people, to respect people in ways that would display your goodness. I pray that you would help us to be uncommon in our approach. As we all hold opinions and thoughts and beliefs, God, I, I pray that you would help us to engage in conversation in a, in, in a very graceful way, in a very loving way, in a, in a way that promotes peace. God, thank you for your, your son, what he did. That brings us all together. We sing about him uh, in these moments. May this be pleasing to you.